So firstly, I just want to say, um, this is not going to be a history lesson this morning, but I just want to bring out some stuff from history this morning. And, and we sung a song there about um, how I fight my battles. And I want to talk about battles. I'm going to be starting a new series today called The Battle Belongs to the Lord. So this is The Battle Belongs to the Lord, part one. Okay, <laughs> nifty title. <laughs> Battle Belongs to the Lord, part one. Now, the reason I said about history lesson is some of you may, history scholars will know that today is D-Day, 6th of June. Anyone know that? 6th of June, D-Day. Okay, a big, uh, a big day in British and Allied history, American, Canadian, French, etc. History, European history, it's a, a hugely important day. Seventy-seven years ago today, um, there was a huge, huge event uh, took place. Uh, it was the biggest um, amphibious invasion in history, either before or since, um, as a key part of World War Two, and when kind of a crucial part of the Second World War, a whole load of people from this area in particular. This area was heavenly. If you know your local history, this this area where we live, in New Forest and the the waterside and surrounding area, Southampton, Portsmouth were hugely involved in making the whole thing happen. There were tens of thousands of American troops and Canadian troops all across the New Forest in camps and and lots left from Leap, from uh, Exbury, from Southampton, Portsmouth, they they had to do this huge logistical exercise of building a temporary harbour over in northern France, in Normandy, and they had to tow it all the way from uh, from the New Forest, which is just you know, a crazy uh, exercise. And those of you who know, again, know your history, you know that that was built with Leap. Some of it was built with Leap, some of it buckers hard. They had to tow it this all the way there. And myself and Ian, we, we went there, didn't we, a few years ago, um, to Aramanche, which is in, in Normandy, and you can still see it, a lot of it's still there. Um, how they how they got it there is <laughs> just, just incredible. Um, these huge kind of like monumental concrete blocks that they, that they towed all the way across the English Channel and then built the other side in order to create a harbour so they could get all the people and tanks and all the kind of equipment across. Uh, it, it was incredible. So it's got a, we've got a connection with it in our local area. And, but what was so amazing about D-Day, and I went to the D-Day Museum, which is there at Aramanche, which is a British museum, there's lots of American museums and all the kind of different countries that are involved. And it's just the sheer audacity of the whole thing. It kind of took the enemy by surprise, wasn't expecting it at all. He was expecting us to invade at Calais, because it's much closer to England. It's only about 20 miles, I'm sure as you know, between Dover and Calais. That's why they built the Channel Tunnel there, isn't it? Because it's the shortest distance. And that's where the enemy was expecting. We're like, no, let's, let's take them by surprise and go somewhere different. So we're going to invade at Normandy, which is much, much further. Um, but the sheer audacity just took the enemy by surprise. And, it, and there were lots of key victories and key battles. And obviously lots of men obviously paid the price as well with their lives. And they're kind of all the units were working together on land, sea, and, and, and air. It was just an incredible exercise. And they had this kind of common goal. You know, defeat is not an option. We're going to go there. We're going to do this. Defeat is definitely not an option. This is kind of like our last hope. It kind of literally was the last option um, was to do this mass invasion across the channel. And, and praise God, it worked. And here we are, kind of all to tell the tale 77 years later. And praise God for that. Because then Europe you know, massively changed and the war, the war um, was changed at that point. Now, I wanted to read one of the speeches um, from that time, I'm going to bring kind of spirit, this is not a history lesson, as I said this morning, this afternoon even, it's not a history lesson, but I just want to bring some truth out of this, okay, this is why I'm saying all this. So I want to read a statement that General Dwight Eisenhower made at the time, and he was head of the Allied Forces, so that was Britain, America, France, and the other kind of allies, he was an American general, but in charge of all of us in that sense, all the soldiers, he said this, it's just an inspiring speech, and it's got a lot of great spirit of truth in it, it says this, 
So this was leading up to, leading up to D-Day. Soldiers, sailors, and airmen of the Allied Expeditionary Force, you are about to embark upon the great crusade, towards which we have driven these many months. The eyes of the world are upon you. The hope and prayers of liberty-loving people everywhere march with you. In company with our brave allies and brothers in arms to other fronts, you will bring about the destruction of the enemy's war machine, the elimination of the enemy's tyranny over the oppressed peoples of Europe, and security for ourselves for a free world. Your task will not be an easy one. Your enemy is well-trained, well-equipped, and battle-hardened. They will fight savagely. But this is the year 1944. Much has happened since the enemy's triumphs of 1940 to 41. I'm sure you know about that again. Locally, there's lots of bombing, wasn't there? Southampton and Portsmouth were virtually obliterated. The United Nations have inflicted upon the enemy great defeats and open battle man to man. Our air offensive has seriously reduced our strength in the air and their capacity to wage war on the ground. Our home fronts have given us an overwhelming superiority in weapons and munitions of war and placed at our disposal great reserves of trained fighting men. The tide has turned. The free men of the world are marching together to victory. I have full, this is continuing the speech, I have full confidence in your courage, devotion to duty, and skill in battle. We will accept nothing less than full victory. Good luck, and let us beseech the blessing of Almighty God upon this great and noble undertaking. The free men of this world are marching together to victory. What a great speech. Inspiring, isn't it? Inspiring. And, but I just want to draw out some great spiritual truths out of that. And what I just love, is, like I said, it's just the sheer audacity of what they did. To take the enemy by surprise and an incredible victory, it ends up leading to the end of World War II about a year, just under a year later. You know, because we are in a battle. We're not, thankfully, we're not on a physical battle in this country, thankfully. But we are, we are in a spiritual battle. So I want to draw a truth out of this. A battle does belong to the Lord. And what I want to look at over the next few, today and the next few weeks, is just look at a number of biblical battles and look at the principles from them that we can apply in our own lives. Okay. And like I said, I love that whole, the whole just sheer audacity of the thing, the way they took the enemy by surprise. I want to look at a, a battle of just kind of sheer audacity, like D-Day had just, 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 just took the enemy by complete surprise because God was in it. I want to look at one battle in the Old Testament and kind of, it's, it's kind of connected with this. But you know, but God wants us to have victory. Amen. It's like this great speech, inspiring speech to, to, to encourage the men. Again, if you know your local history, you know that the king visited Hythe uh, the day before the, rule, the, the uh, commando, the British, uh, British commando, sorry, were trained at Hythe, where Ewart Recreation Centre is now. That's where they were trained. And the Hythe, um, sorry, the king, that's, that's the queen's father, King George, um, he came to Hythe the day before to come and see all the troops. There's a plaque on Hythe Pier that says about him says about him coming as well so again more local connections but this was all about encouraging them in this speech that you're going to go into this huge situation but there's but there's victory the other side of that and some of them are going to pay the price with their lives that was just the 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 reality but there's going to be you know we don't need to pay the price for our lives (laughs) amen praise god for that but in this particular situation some are going to pay the price for their lives but there's going to be a great victory for it the other side of it this is what i just want to encourage you in if you're struggling in life if you feel there's a battle going on in your life Right now, that God wants you to come through to victory. God wants you to come through. The enemy is going to be defeated. And, and often we, can, we, we defeat him just by just doing the sheer audacity, by just, just going in what God's called us to do, by carrying out the steps that God's called us to do, by doing what he's called us to do, which can seem unusual, it can seem, it can seem difficult, but through that we then get the victory as we're obedient to God. Amen? So maybe you feel that there's battles going on in your world 
right now. And, you know, the whole last year has been a battle, was it? Come on, let's be real about this stuff. It's been the craziest world, uh, craziest year I'm sure most of us have ever had. There's been things we never thought we'd have to deal with. There's been challenges we never thought we'd have to deal with both as a church in terms of our jobs, and some people in their finances, in terms of their families, not, not, not being able to see people, and all those kind of things that you would never think we had to do. You know, but God wants us to come through strong. And God wants us to be victorious. Amen? I love that Jesus makes the point that he would build his church. This is not just true for us individually, also for us corporately. He, he will build his church, amen, and the gates of hell will not be able to overcome it. No, no virus, no situation it will be able to stop what God can do. Amen? Aren't you pleased about that? He will build his church. The gates of hell cannot overcome it. So anyway, so let's look at a battle that is kind of sheer audacity, like, like, like D-Day. It was just, just, just a sheer just amazement of what they did. Just the sheer impressiveness of what they did as they were obedient to God, brought about a great victory as they trusted in God. So in the context of this, we're going to look at 1 Samuel 13 and 14 in a minute. In the context of this, Israelites were having their ongoing issues with the Philistines. It had been an issue over and over and over again um, throughout their kind of uh, Israelite history. And David, the story of David and Goliath follows a few chapters later in chapter 17. I'm sure you, that's, you all know that story. But I want to look at 1 Samuel 14 and what happens, what happens here as I kind of trust God. This is 1 Samuel 14, 1 to 13. It should be on screen. There you go. It's just by magic. It's appeared. There you go. So this is 1 Samuel 14, verse 1. One day Jonathan, who was a son of Saul, the king, said to his young armor bearer, Come, let's go over to the Philistine outpost on the other side. But he did not tell his father. Saul was staying on the outskirts of Gibeah under a pomegranate tree in Migron, probably. With him were about 600 men. Among them was a hijer who was wearing an ephod. He was the son of Ichabod's brother, Ahitub, son of Phinehas, the son of Eli, the Lord's priest in Shiloh. No one was aware that Jonathan had left. Verse 4. On each side of the pass that Jonathan intended to cross to reach the Philistine outpost was a cliff. One was called Bozes and the other Sina. One cliff stood to the north toward Michmash, the other to the south toward Geba. Jonathan said to his young armor-bearer, Come, let's go over to the outpost of those uncircumcised men. Perhaps the Lord will act on our behalf. Nothing can hinder the Lord from saving, whether by many or by few. I'm going to read through right to verse 13 and draw stuff out of this. Okay? Verse 7. Do all that you have in mind, his armor-bearer said. Go ahead, I am with you, heart and soul. Jonathan said, Come on then. We will cross over towards them. Let them see us. If they say to us, Wait there until we come to you, We will stay where we are and not go up to them. But if they say, come up to us, we will climb up, because that will be our sign the Lord has given them into our hands. So both of them showed themselves to the Philistine outpost. Look, said the Philistines, the Hebrews are crawling out of the holes they were hiding in. The men of the outpost shouted to Jonathan and his armor bearer, come up to us and we'll teach you a lesson. So Jonathan said to his armor bearer, climb up after me, the Lord has given them into the hand of Israel. So Jonathan climbed up, using his hands and feet, with his armor-bearer right behind him. The Philistines fell before Jonathan, and his armor-bearer followed and killed behind him. In that first attack, Jonathan and his armor-bearer killed some 20 men in an area of about half an acre. So here's this this great account of what Jonathan and his armor-bearer do. And I also want to draw out truths out of that and things that we can apply um, into our lives. We are in a spiritual battle, aren't we? Ephesians 6 makes that clear. A battle is not against, we're not in a literal war in this country like we were talking about like on D-Day 77 years ago. 
Okay, but we are in a, in a physical war. Uh, sorry, a spiritual war, aren't we? Our battle is not against flesh and blood, but it's against spiritual uh, principalities and powers in the heavenly realms. Ephesians 6, verse 7, it talks about the armor of God and putting on the armor of God. We're not going to look at that today, but that's, we can read all that in Ephesians, Ephesians 6. But we are in a spiritual battle, aren't we? That's just the reality, reality of life. And, and we have an enemy who we call the devil or, or Satan, and he tries to trip us up. He, he, tries, us, he tries to tempt us to do things um, that, that wouldn't be good or tries to tempt us to get off our track or you know, we'll bring sickness or we'll bring financial issues or we'll just bring, try to bring confusion and all sorts of things the enemy will try and do to, to trap us or to, to rob us of our peace or to try and drive a wedge between us and, us and our God us and God, or we'll target our marriage, and all sorts of things that can happen. We don't need to fear of those things, but those can just be things that the devil will try and do. We just need to be aware. Of, the Bible says we need to be aware of the devil's schemes. We need to worry about them. We don't need to be fearful, but just be aware. You have our eyes open about this stuff. So I want to draw out lessons for us as individuals and as a church to look at how we can apply some of these principles to us, uh, both personally and to us corporately as a church body. Amen. Praise God, you're all very quiet. So used to not be able to say, <laughs> so used to not be able to say anything. That's why, isn't it? Strange behind our masks. Anyway, praise God. So different battles we may be facing in life. And maybe right now in your life, you feel like you're facing a whole load of battles. And I listed some, some earlier. So I'm not going to list all those again. But maybe you feel like you're in, you're in a battle right now. Maybe you're in a battle in, in your mind. That's one I didn't mention earlier. That can be, that can be a, huge, a huge battle that goes on. And, and people's mental health have been so affected over the last year and, and different things we've had to, had to deal with and, and social isolation and all those kind of things. And it's, it's affected men, people's mental health in many ways. There's a battle going on in our mind. There's, there can be so many different battles that can be taking place. But God wants to bring victory. That is God's desire. Amen? He always wants to bring victory. Amen? You know, it's just like that like General Eisenhower's great speech. The free men of the world, includes women, officers, women. The free men and women of this world are marching together to victory. May that be our battle cry, amen, in life. May that be our battle cry as Christians, as believers. The free people of this world, we, and we truly are the free people, amen. Those who know God, we truly are the free people. I'm not talking about natural freedom or living in a free country, but true spiritual freedom. Where we'll be free from our sin, we'll be redeemed, we've been bought at a price, we're on our way to heaven. We have real freedom, amen? The, the free men of, and women of this world are marching together to victory, may that be our cry, our battle cry, amen? Amen. Okay, so let's go back to the scripture. Let's have a look at verse 1. Okay, verse 1. So let's look at different individual verses and draw. It's got eight. If I've got time, I've got eight points. If I haven't got time, I'll do some next week. Or <laughs> Anyway, I have to be quite strict about, about time and these times that we're in. So aim to finish at 4.15. Anyway, so verse 1. Jonathan here, he makes a great statement. So they're, so they're, so they're facing the Philistine army. A lot of the Israelites are terrified about the situation. Um, you see that much later in, or several chapters later in the story of David and Goliath. You see that the Israelites were just very, very fearful of the Philistines. They had a lot of, they had a lot of big guys. Um, these were kind of almost like the, you know, maybe like the Vikings, <laughs> you know, that era. <laughs> they were just big guys. They're well built. They had, they had they're great weapons. Militarily, they were a lot stronger than Israel in, in many, many ways. But Jonathan knew that God was going to give them a great victory. Remember, this is the promised, this is the promised land. promised land that they've entered. The promise, the promise given right back to Abraham hundreds of years before. That they were going to enter a land, a land flowing with milk and, and honey. 
It's like if God's promised it, then it's going to happen. That was Jonathan's attitude. So in verse 1, he said, come, let's go over to the Philistine outpost on the other side. So as far as Jonathan was concerned, this is, this is where we're going. He had total courage and total trust in, in what God was telling him to do. He kind of felt the fear and do it anyway. I've talked about this before, but I think it's, a, it's such an important and crucial thing to understand as a Christian. That sometimes, as, as, and this will be true in all sorts of different walks of life, but particularly in the Christian life, sometimes you feel fear, but those who overcome, they, they do it anyway. You know, some people feel fear and it makes them shrink back. It makes them stop doing what God's called them to do. But those, those who overcome and those who are victorious who feel the fear and do it, do it anyway. They're, they're great principles for all sorts of things. Business, your finances. Um, you know, they, they've talked about like, like, like the top entrepreneurs around the world. They, they feel the same fear. They feel the same fear about losing money or about their businesses not succeeding. But the difference is between those people who are really, really successful um, is, that, is that they just do it anyway. They feel that same fear, but just, but just do it. And then they're successful. So often. But let's be people who, who, we might feel fear, but do it anyway. You know, faith is the antidote. Because I've used this analogy before in this world of vaccines that we live in, that faith is a vaccine for fear. Faith is a vaccine for fear. Fear, fear, is, a, fear is a disease, you know, in a spiritual sense. But it's a vaccine of faith that would deal with it once and for all. Let's replace it with faith, as in part faith into the situation, because that would deal, that would neutralize the fear, amen, and, and destroy it in Jesus' name. Amen. You know, anything new that we do for God will take courage. Anyone ever discovered that? Anything new that we do for God or talking to someone about, talking to our neighbor or a friend at work or something about, about God, it will, then you may feel fear in that situation. Stepping out into anything new may cause fear. But let's just rely on God to give us all the courage that, that we need in that situation. I love it when, when Joshua was going to enter the promised land and, and, and God sent him over a number of times in Joshua chapter 1, be strong and courageous. For I am with you. We just encourage him to, be, to have courage in that. As we look at kind of personal application and church application to this, let's be courageous in all that we do for God. Amen? Let's be listening out for, for who God wants us to speak to in our life as we've talked to a lot of church and we've done a lot through online church about soul winning and, 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 and the book that we kind of gave out to everybody and we've talked a lot about that and the importance of that and seeing ourselves all as soul winners not to make ourselves feel bad or feel guilty in any way but just to understand that we all have responsibility and God wants to use all of us amen in order to reach others but sometimes that, well, that will cause fear wouldn't it and, and talking to people like well how are they going to react what are they going to say are they going to they're going to call me names what are they going to do they're never going to speak to me again all those things you can think about and maybe those things they might even happen it might be a reality but we need to be obedient to what God's called us to do. Amen. Let's ask God for courage. Amen. As a, as a church application, as we continue to walk forward and step forward and, and enter into all that God has for us, let's, let's go with courage as a church body, as a church family. Let's be courageous. May, may fear never stop us. May fear you know, never stop us from stepping out into all that God has for us as a church family and, and a church body. Amen. Amen. Let's kind of move on. So that's first kind of point number one, or looking at verse one. Let's go over to the Philistine outpost, the other side. And it also says an interesting thing on verse one. It makes a statement, kind of the narrator of the story says, but he did not tell his father. So Jonathan decided to go over to the Philistine outpost on the other side. Remember, his dad, Saul, was the king. Obviously, David becomes the king. Um, that kind of had always been God's man. God's anointed was, was David, and that came, came later. Okay, but at this moment, Saul was the king. Jonathan was his son. But it says there, but he did not tell his father. One, John, one 
Sorry, verse 1. One day, Jonathan, son of Saul, said to his young armor bearer, let's go to the Philistine outpost on the other side, but he did not tell his father. Now, that could just kind of be a throwaway statement, but I think it's actually really, really significant. Somebody think, well, okay, he didn't tell his dad, okay, <laughs> whatever. Um, but I think that's actually really, really relevant because I think, would Saul have just said no? And I think Saul absolutely would have just said no. You see this later in, in, in David and Goliath, just a few chapters later, when David's like, I'll go and fight this Philistine. Saul's like, I just really don't think this is a good idea isn't he? Tries to discourage him in it all. Would, would Saul have just said no? I, I think he probably would. So Jonathan here, he's not being disrespectful to his dad, because obviously it's a biblical principle to respect it, honor your parents, obviously. But he wasn't being disrespectful to his dad, but what he was doing is being lo- more loyal to what God had called him to do. Like he knew that God would be with him. I'm not going to tell my dad, because my dad's just going to discourage me, tell me that's ridiculous, that's insane. You, you're not going to go and do that. You get the first time he's going to kill you. You know, all the things his dad probably would have said, because Saul wasn't always a godly king, was he, sadly? And that's why David later is God's, God's anointed. So what we can draw out of that for us is, are we a man pleaser or a God pleaser? So I believe that God wants us to always be a God pleaser. Amen? And when, when God's asked to do things, are, are we obedient? Are we trying to please others or are we trying to please God? Amen? Whether we apply it to ourselves in, in, in life for us personally or to us as a church, who are we actually trying to please here? Amen? Let's be obedient to all that God calls us calls us to do you know maybe in a workplace in, in a difficult in, in environment and, and it can be and, it, and you know working in a secular environment can be difficult I work I work in church circles at some respects it is easier I totally accept that it is I've worked in secular I've worked in a bank I've been a teacher um, run my own business and or run my own business with somebody else um, and done different things over the years in some ways working in Christian circles it is actually easier because you don't, have this, you don't have the same thing. You don't have to deal with everybody swearing or kind of gossip and all that kind of stuff that you have to, in a secular environment, can be really tough, can't it? And living, living, living right and, and the dirty jokes and, and pornography and all these things that are huge in our world are massive issues. Let's just face the reality of it. it, it it's not always easy, is it, to be a light? In, you literally are a light in the darkness, aren't you? That's what the Bible says. It, it's not always easy, is it? And just living for God in that kind of kind of environment. I talk to my kids about as lows and, and all they deal with, um, at least as at college and, and Jack at secondary school, all they're dealing with and all the kind of confusion there is and gender confusion, all that kind of stuff that there is, which is kind of, you know, it's just this is just all this stuff from above which is not right and confusing for kids, and kind of guiding Elise and Jack through through all of that, and, and they're fine. They totally get it. I get what God says about it all. Praise God. But there can be a lot of confusion, and it's not always easy, is it? But are we a God pleaser or a man pleaser? When we get up in the morning, who are we seeking to please? Are we trying to please our mates, our, our friends, our, our co-workers? Or are we aiming to please God? It's a big question, isn't it? Amen? It's a challenge. Amen? And let's, all, let's be a church body as well, a church family that was, we're living just to please God. We're worried about what, what other people may think. We'll, we'll stand for truth. We'll stand up for what we know. We'll stand up for what we know is right. We're not, we're not scared of what people think. We're not going to intentionally offend people because obviously that's not helpful as a church, is it? All right. But we'll stand up for what we know is truth and what we know is right. Amen. Praise God. So let's be loyal to what God is telling us to do. Let's move on to verse 6. How are we doing for time? Okay, let's move on to verse 6. It says this Jonathan said to his young armor bearer, Come, let's go over to the outpost. Okay. Let's go over to the outpost of those uncircumcised men. Perhaps the Lord will act on our behalf. Nothing can hinder the Lord from saving, whether by many or by few. 
Now, I think the word perhaps here can be a little bit deceiving in the sense, I don't mean the Bible's deceptive, <laughs> don't misunderstand what I'm saying. What I mean is but the word perhaps and the way it's translated, it can almost sound like, like, um, like, like Jonathan just had a really laid back attitude about, well, maybe God will save us and maybe you will. Almost like, a, you know, whatever case or ask or whatever will be, will be. You, can always, you could almost read that into it, couldn't you? Oh, perhaps the Lord will save us or perhaps he won't. And I don't think, that, I don't believe that's a correct reading of it at all. That this was a statement of faith from Jonathan. It's perhaps the Lord, you never know, that God is going to act on our behalf. I really believe that. Nothing can hinder the Lord from saving, whether it's by many or by few. Amen? That's what, that's what Jonathan inherently believed about the situation. He was absolutely sure that God would, would act on their behalf. Amen? It says, let's go over to the outpost of these uncircumcised men. That was, that was relevant, saying, call them uncircumcised men. As you know, I'm sure that circumcision was a sign of covenant. A covenant between the Israelites and between God, that they were God's people. So, to making the point that he was uncircumcised men, he was making the point that they didn't have a covenant with God. We've got a covenant with God, they don't have a covenant with God. Amen? That's the point he was making here. So, it was just Jonathan's statement of faith is that God is going to act on our behalf. Nothing can hinder the Lord. You see these statements of faith over and over and over again. This is where Jonathan was. And then he makes a statement of whether it's by many or by few. So, it didn't, so to Jonathan, it didn't even matter how God will save Israel. Jonathan wasn't trying to work out every event. And we can be like this, can't we, in life? We try and work out every... I'm certainly like this in the way I'm wired. You know, you go through a difficult situation. You can try and work, try and you know, spend, spend days and nights. You know, you can keep you awake at night. And just trying to work out every eventuality of how something might resolve itself. Anyone ever done that? Just, just don't leave me out on my own. <laughs> right? Because, you know, it's, and the way I'm wired, I just like thinking about stuff. And I'll overthink it and overthink it. And it can be helpful in some respects and, and really unhelpful in other respects. You just need to overthink, because you start overthinking stuff when you just need to trust God in it all. And it's not always helpful. But Jonathan makes his great statements of faith. Nothing can hinder the Lord. So he wasn't even trying to work out, he said, whether by many or by few. So it didn't matter how God was going to try to save Israel. And Jonathan wasn't trying to calculate how God was going to save Israel, just that he would be faithful to do it. That's all Jonathan needed to know. Whether by many or by few, it doesn't matter how God does it. We're in this battle, but if God says we're going to win it, we're going to win it. Amen? Yeah, let's apply that to our own lives. Amen? Let's be trusting God in every situation. Let's be making statements of faith if you're going through a battle right now. Be declaring victory over your situation. Amen? If you're going through a health situation, be declaring victory in Jesus' name over your situation. It doesn't matter how God is going to do it. Sometimes God just heals supernaturally and sometimes God uses doctors. I'm fine with both of those. I think God's fine with both of those, more importantly. Does it, does it really matter in one sense? Because either way, it's still God getting the glory. That's what, that's what matters. Now, don't put your trust in... Doctors are brilliant, but don't put your trust in doctors. Trust in God. Absolutely. But if God uses doctors or God just does a supernatural miracle, then I'm okay with either. Because God can do whatever he wants to do. He doesn't have to justify how he does or doesn't do things, as far as I'm concerned. But that's basically what Jonathan's saying. Here. God doesn't have to justify what he does or doesn't do, whether it's by many or by few. I just know that God's going to come through. Amen? Let's be declaring victory over our own lives and doing that as a, as a church body, as a church family as well. Amen? Let's just go on where God has called us to do, and nothing's going to hinder what God wants to do with us as a church. However we do it, however God, whatever God calls us to do, we will be victorious. Amen? And the promised land, as we enter the promised land God has for us as a church. Praise God. How are we going for time? I think I'm, I may run out. Anyway, we'll see. Anyway, so point number four, we're going to look at verse seven. As we continue through the story. So his armor bearer now responds, Jonathan's armor bearer now responds to him. Do, the, do all that you have in mind, his armor bearer said. Go ahead, 
I am with you, heart and soul. That's the kind of people you want with you, isn't it, man? That's the kind of people you want. People who are with you, heart and soul. So basically, there was total unity of purpose. Total unity between Jonathan and his armor bearer here. Total unity of purpose that they would see the victory that God had for them. You know, in our, in our personal lives, let's be people who are there for each other, heart and soul. That's just a great term, isn't it, heart and soul? And be there through thick and thin. If, if, you're married, if you're a married person today, be there through thick and thin. Thick and thin. Be there heart and soul for each other. That's, that's the vows that you promised and what you promised before God. But let's be there heart and soul for each other, praying for each other, helping each other, chatting with each other, listening, listening to each other. That's also very important. Listening to each other. Men, men often need to learn that lesson about listening. Anyway, um, but being the heart and soul for each other. Amen? And then a kind of church application of us as a church body. These are the people you want with you in battle, aren't they? Who are completely with you. Let's be people who are just so united in purpose. For all that God desires to do for us as a church as we reach our community and you know, start, as we start to do more kind of church events and, and you know, as things get... As guidelines and stuff get relaxed, we can do more and more stuff but for reaching people and other different things we'll be doing. Let's just have such a unity of purpose. Amen? We're all on the same side here. We're all, we're all, we're all going towards the same goal. We've got a common, like D-Day, they've got a common purpose. Amen? Common purpose. They have total unity between us. You know, it's, it says in one of Paul's letters, I can't remember which one off the top of my head, but it's in one of Paul's letters about how just, you know, our, just our, this unity between us it's just people recognize um, you know, that we are disciples. Actually, Jesus said that, wasn't it? Actually, it's not Paul's letters. Jesus himself said, you know, the love between us is how people would know that we are disciples of God. We are Jesus' disciples. Because of the love between us, because of the unity between us, the people will then recognize that. Amen. Let's be with each other, heart and soul. Praise God. How are we going? Okay, now the story continues in chapter 15. I may not do all of these points. This time's going quick. But the story continues then in chapter 15. So it says, it says this in verses 1 to 13. So, so they've made these great decisions. We're going to go over the other side. We're, we're trusting God with, with each other, heart and soul. We believe is what God wants us to do. So let's move on to the next chapter, verse 1. Then panic struck the whole Philistine army, those in the camp and the field, and those in the outposts and raiding parties, and the ground shook. It was a panic sent by God. Like a panic sent by God. No one likes panic, do they, generally? <laughs> Panicking is not a good thing, is it? But panic sent by God to your enemies. That's a good thing. Amen. Verse 16. Saul's lookouts at Gibeah in Benjamin saw the army melting away in all directions. Then Saul said to the men who were with him, muster the forces and see who has left us. When they did, it was Jonathan and his armor bearer who were not there. Saul said to Ahijah, bring the ark of, that, ark of God. While Saul was talking to the priest, the tumult in the Philistine camp increased more and more. So Saul said to the priest, withdraw your hand. And Saul and all his men assembled and went to the battle. They found the Philistines in total confusion, striking each other with their swords. Those Hebrews who had previously been with the Philistines had gone up with them to their camp, went over to the Israelites who were with Saul and Jonathan. But all the Israelites who had hidden in the hill country of Ephraim heard that the Philistines were on the run. They joined the battle in hot pursuit. So on that day, the Lord saved Israel and the battle moved on beyond Beth Avon. So a great victory takes place. See, it's clearly supernatural, isn't it? Amen. It's, it's what God does. He stirs up confusion and, and discord um, in the enemy. Praise God. So verse, verse 15, it says this. Then panic struck the whole army. 
those in the camp and the field, and those in the outposts and raiding parties. And the ground shook. It was a panic sent by God. So it is God, and it's only God who brings victory. You know, we have a part to play in it. Yes, we have a part to play in it. We just talked about being with each other, heart and soul, and, and trusting God and declaring victory over our situation and, and making statements of faith. But, but ultimately, it's always God that's going to bring the victory, and it should always be God that's getting the glory as well. Amen? In every, every victory. You know, God always has a plan. Aren't you glad about that? God always has a plan. Amen? Even if plans make no sense to us at all. You know, or what's going to happen in a situation doesn't necessarily make any sense to us. We can't work it out. God always has a plan. Amen? And in our, in our personal lives, our personal walk with God, let's just continue to walk into that plan. And in his, in his, his battles that you may be in right now in your life, God has a plan. God has a plan to bring you through the other side is be trusting him in it all. It's only him who can bring the victory. No doctor can do what, what God can do. Amen? You can get great advice and you can get great counseling. I'm not against any, any of those things. Or going to see a doctor or any of those things. I'm not saying any of those things are wrong. But can they do what God can do? I said, no. It's the a, it's a, it's a truth of the matter, isn't it? You, know, you think about the, the woman with the issue of blood who, 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 who finds Jesus. And it says that she, she spent all her money. On, obviously, they didn't have free health care then. They said they spent all their money on doctors. She, she, let, she was penniless. She had nothing left. She had, they had no more hope. Because she had this you know, incurable thing that had to be dealt with supernaturally. It's only supernaturally it could be cured and rectified. And she reached out to Jesus in a statement of faith. Jesus knew that power had left him. He said to his disciples, he said, Who, you know, power has left me. Who was it? And the disciples thought he was crazy because like, there's hundreds of people around Jesus. But Jesus knew that power had left him and then someone had been healed. And, you know, and the woman is completely restored and praise God for that. You know, but doctors couldn't do what Jesus could do. She, she spent all her money. I'm sure they were great doctors. But they couldn't do what Jesus could do. Amen? It's only God who can bring the victory. Verse 6, sorry, point 6, which is verse 20. And I end on this. I've got a couple more points, but we'll look at that another time. Verse 20, it says this, Then Saul and all his men assembled and went to the battle. They found the Philistines in total confusion, striking each other with their swords. So first God created panic. And now he creates total confusion amongst the enemy. This is great, isn't it? Because God, God is doing all the hard work. What's, what's amazing about God is he does all the hard stuff, doesn't he? We, we, we just have to operate in faith and step out in faith and trust him. But God does all the difficult bit that's going on behind the scenes. There's not even a whole load of fighting even has to take place here. Because God's just creating confusion. And now, now the enemies are, you know, are literally killing each other. It's just total confusion. They're, they're, they're destroying themselves. Because it's, it's a supernatural victory, isn't it? Amen. Remember, the supernatural is God adding his super to our natural. It makes it so easy to understand in that context, isn't it? We, we do the natural bit. We, we trust God, and we walk with God, and we're obedient to God, but God adds his super to our natural. Amen? That's what the supernatural is. Praise God. So it's something supernatural that takes place here. What do we believe in God in it for in our lives? Ephesians 3 verse 20 says that God can do immeasurably more than all we can ask or imagine according to the powers that work within us. Do we truly believe that? Amen? That's a huge statement, but do we believe that? That God can do immeasurably more than all we can ask or imagine. We have to do the natural bit. We just have to exist and live and live for him and be obedient and, and, and operate in faith, but he does the super bit. He does the bit that we cannot do and shouldn't even try and do. Amen? And again, God brings out a great victory in, in this situation. Amen. Now, as we continue to move forward as a church, just believing for great supernatural victories. 
as we continue to walk into the promised land that God has for us and, and reaching our communities and seeing people saved, to believe that God's going to bring about amazing victories. We just have to do the natural part. We've just got to be obedient. We've just got to keep being united in purpose. We talked about with each other, heart and soul. Keep trusting him. Believing the victory is going to, going to come through him. Don't be, don't be man-pleasers, but be God-pleasers. Where, where, where Jonathan didn't tell his dad what he was going to do. Amen? Understand that we have a covenant. That, that God is with us. He will never leave us or forsake us as Jesus himself promised. Amen? That's the covenant that we have with us. If he is for us, who can be against us? Amen? The, the love that God has for us, and nothing can separate us from that, from that love, it says in Romans, Romans 8. Amen? What a great God that we have. And then he will bring us through the other side and create great victory. And we'll see a great impact in our, in our own lives and in those battles that you're facing and, and in, our, in our communities. Amen. And I believe that over the coming months and, and years, we're going to see great breakthroughs in our communities. Amen. In this area. And, and God's going to use all the great churches around here to do that as well as ours. But I believe just for amazing stuff ahead. Our best days are yet to come. You know, as this year we celebrated 10 years as Family Church Waterside. I say we celebrated it. <laughs> we couldn't really, could we? Um, but anyway, back in March, we kind of put, Dan very helpfully put a video together, which looked very complicated, but probably took down about two minutes. Um, or maybe didn't, Tasha. Maybe <laughs> took about three weeks, you'll tell me. Anyway, I don't know. But anyway, but thanks for doing that, Dan. And we're just, just sharing the kind of memories of the last 10 years. But God has done a lot of great stuff over the last 10 years, and I'm very, very thankful for that. But I believe our best days are still... To still to come are yet to, everyone believe that with me amen our best days are yet to come there's gonna be victories we haven't seen yet there's gonna be a building on the horizon i totally believe for that with all with all my heart it's gonna be a building in the, in the center of the community for us that god has for us that we will call our own amen that and it's just we're gonna see this 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 area just radically impacted for god Amen. In so many different ways, and see stacks of people coming to know, coming to know him, and see great victories and signs and wonders are going to follow, follow the preaching of the word. It's going to be awesome. Amen. So let's continue to believe for that. But remember, it's all about God. We just have to do the natural part, just like Jonathan did. But God did the supernatural part. Amen. Let's just stand. This time comes to a close. Praise you, God. I want to pray a couple of prayers. I just want to pray for us all as a congregation. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. Lord, we thank you, Lord, for all the great principles, Lord, in your word. Lord, they just teach us so much about what we can apply to our lives. And they just change our thought processes, change our hearts. Lord God, and Lord, thank you, Lord, that we can see the victory in you. Lord, the battle truly does belong to you. The battle belongs to the Lord. It's not our battle, but ultimately it's your battle. We just have to do the natural bit. And just like Jonathan here, Lord, I pray that we will just declare, Lord, victory over our situations. Lord, I pray with anyone just struggling, Lord, with little sickness or a financial situation, a marriage situation, a family situation, or mental health situation, whatever might be going on in the world right now. Lord, we just declare victory in Jesus' name. Lord, we just pray, Lord, and believe for your health, Lord, for your wholeness, Lord, for your restoration in the mighty name of Jesus. Lord God, and we just declare, Lord, and believe, Lord, for your victory, Lord, in this situation. Lord, we stand, like, as, as, as arm, Jonathan's armor bearer said, Lord, we stand heart and soul, Lord, with those people believing for that. Lord, we believe a breakthrough in Jesus' name. Lord, but you will do what only you can do. Lord, you always have a plan and you always have a way of doing it. And we don't need to understand and we don't need to understand every eventuality or even understand the plan. Lord, but we just say, Lord, we trust you. Lord, we know, Lord, we will get across to the other side, just like Jonathan said. Lord, and we will see the enemy defeated. Lord, we speak victory 
health and wholeness over every person that's represented here. In the mighty name of Jesus. And I pray for us as a church body, Lord, that we would just be a victorious church family. It's family church waterside. Lord, that we'll step into all that you have for us, Lord God. Lord, that we would just confidently go across to the other side, the other side of the valley, just like Jonathan did. We just declare your victories, Lord. We just declare, Lord, that, Lord, your impact you're going to have on this area, Lord, for every soul, Lord, that's in our communities, Lord, across the waterside. Lord, we just claim them for you in Jesus' name. Lord, you would do what only you can do. Lord, you would bring good out of this, Lord, incredibly difficult situation we've got, all gone through over the last year where so many people have the reality of mortality, that we're not here forever, and that life is fragile. And Lord, and there's big questions like, what happens when I die? Um, and, you know, is there, is there eternal life? And all those huge questions that people have. Lord God, and it's, uh, so much over the last year has brought those questions to the surface. And that's not a bad thing, Lord God. And I pray you just use that. Lord God, you work upon people's hearts. Use us as a church, Lord, to reach people. Lord, use us in, in our individual lives, in our family, Lord, for unsaved family members, Lord. We just, we just claim it for you in Jesus' name. Lord, so we can all declare as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord for every, every, every child, every husband, every wife, Lord, every, every neighbor, Lord, every work colleague, Lord, everyone in our community, Lord, everyone that we know, every friend, every colleague. Lord, we declare them for you in the mighty name of Jesus. We declare victory. Lord, that you will just destroy the power of the enemy in their lives. Lord, their eyes will be opened. Lord, it says in Scripture, the enemy of this world, the enemy in this world is blinded the mind of unbelievers, so they cannot see the truth of the gospel. Lord, we pray, Lord, that the eyes will be opened in Jesus' name. Lord God. And we just we just claim these souls for you in the mighty name of Jesus. You as a church for your glory. Thank you, Lord. And I just want to pray just a second prayer quickly, just to give anyone an opportunity. They just want to invite God into their life or just put some things right with God. You know, maybe over the last year, you've just felt totally disconnected from church and totally disconnected from God and all that's kind of happened. Maybe your mental health's been affected. Maybe you felt isolated. Maybe you felt nobody cared. There could be all sorts of things you may have felt. But what God just wants to restore you today. He, he is always, as a church, we've always cared. And as God, even more importantly, he has always cared. And he has never left you. And he knows what you're going through. And he knows what you're dealing with. And he, know how, he knows how the last year has affected you. And I just want to give you an opportunity, to, if you want to invite God into your life, if you've never done that before, just put some things right with God and say, God, I need you. Lord, all I can say, Lord, is that I need you. I need you in my life. Lord, I need to know that you're always with me. I need to know that I'm on my way to heaven. I want to just put some things right. I just want to run back in your arms just like the prodigal son this, this afternoon. Let's all just pray this prayer together. But if it's you, just mean it with all of your heart. Thank you, Jesus, that you died on a cross for me so that I could have life and have it to the full so that I could have the promise of eternal life with you. I invite you now into my life. I want to live for you. I want to know you. I want to serve you. I want you to change me. In Jesus' name, amen. My little heads are bowed and eyes are closed. If that's you this afternoon, if that's you, I just want you just to raise your hand just so I can see it and no one else will be looking to say, I've prayed that this afternoon. Amen. I can see your hand. Thank you. Anybody else? Thank you, God. 
thank you, Lord. Lord, I pray, Lord, for the person, Lord, who's just responded. Lord, I just pray, God, they would just know you, Lord, in such a real way in their life. Oh, God, you would just pour your love into them. You would pour your grace into them. You would pour your mercy into them. In the mighty name of Jesus, they would know that you're always with them, Lord God. Thank you, Lord God, that they are now on their way to heaven and have a, a Lord, Lord, that your righteousness, Lord, they're now seated in heavenly places with you. The enemy no longer has any hold over them. Lord, they're, they're yours. They've been brought out of the dominion of darkness and into the kingdom of light. What a great truth that is. Lord, bless them abundantly. Lord, if they're battling with anything, I pray, Lord, to see total victory in those battles. In the mighty name of Jesus, amen. Amen. Praise God. Praise God. God is good. God is good. So um, we're going to close, close there because time, time is gone. Um, so please go and collect your kids. Um, if you've got kids out and, and collect somebody else's kids. <laughs> if you've got kids out in Kids Church or Ignition, please go and collect them straight away. I think Ignition, actually, they'll come back in here for you to, to, to um, sign them out. But if you've got kids out in Kids Church, please go and collect them straight away. Um, you can hang, we haven't got teas and coffees yet uh, because guidelines don't allow that yet but obviously you can hang around for a bit and we'd love just to chat and if you want prayer for anything as well then please come and speak to me, me myself and wendy or other leaders um we'd love to pray with you as well but yeah have a very uh, blessed afternoon and we'll see you soon thank you